Welcome to the Moonwise Lunar Forecast for February 15th through March 17th, 2018. I'm Dorte Sophie Royal, and today we'll check in with Susan Lipschitz of Everyday Medicine Woman as she takes a look at the upcoming month and gives us her take on the astrological, lunar, and collective energies that she's feeling. Hi, Susan. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Dorte. My pleasure, as always. So last lunar forecast, we talked a lot about people feeling a bit stuck even after doing their New Year's intentions, and we were kind of looking towards this phase where we have a solar eclipse and we're entering eclipse season, so I'm so curious to hear um, what this upcoming lunar cycle is looking like to you. This particular lunation um, on the 15th of uh, February is um, is very potent. It's a south nodal eclipse on the moon, so it means it's it's um, pulling something or opening up. You know, like when we think about pressure and then that release of pressure and something sort of, it's got that um, way of just pulling something. Like if we thought about being in a pressurized um, cabin in uh, an airplane, and then if somebody opened it up, it'd be like everything would pull out of that. And so kind of like a south node can be like that. And this is a south node in uh, a fixed air sign Aquarius. So it's really like that because it really moves in the mental field and puts a lot of pressure uh, in that way. So the symbol or the features of Aquarius in this, as we're moving into this new moon, that is new moons are times where we reset and we um, plant new seeds for the month. But because of a solar eclipse, it plants seeds for as even long as two years. So even when we think backwards to two years and we look and start to mark these solar eclipses and we go, oh my goodness, it's still playing out. This is the moment where we really get a sense of it. But and we that's why our intention setting is so important. And I I think that's where, you know, a lot of people are doing like um, more lunar calendar journals and a lot of women um, change makers and, you know, that we, we see a lot that are holding space for communities that work with the moon cycles. It's so beautiful because it's, it's not only the actual, you know, physical blood that we work with with our moon cycles and getting calibrated with the power of our bodies in the moon cycles and our, our wisdom of that, but we also can work with just kind of charting and, and reflecting on the power of these cycles through time, we start to see how influential they really are. And it, it makes a difference because we can remember through the thoughtfulness of the journals that we mark, you know, it's like calendars, they're really great. So Aquarius, some of the some of the elements or the features or the characterizations that we talk about, uh, because it's ruled by Uranus when they discovered it, it, it's, um, it used to be ruled by uh, Saturn. So it's got some of those qualities of being kind of thoughtful and consequential in our lives. But Uranus is, uh, is very much about let's be brilliant. Let's think outside the box. Let's be innovative. Um, let's, let's really open everything up and break old patterns. So Aquarius has an intellectual detached. It has sort of a, a brilliance to it and it breaks the norms. It also, it's could, could be viewed as a little bit contrary and a little bit resistant. So, um, you know, we think of the United States, and in some ways it was founded on many Aquarian features, right? Because and now we're looking at we're, we're revolting against, you know, some of what we thought was in the beginning had the seeds of, you know, and that's the beauty and the irony, right, is that everything that we start out with, with, with newness to it and say we're breaking molds, and then at some point we break the molds that we thought at some point was new, and now we start to see it stagnant. And so this 
this Every year we get a new moon in uh, Aquarius, and so it invites us into that. We have Aquarius. Everybody has it in our chart. Some of us, it's more prominent than others. But at this particular moment, there's the lens is on Aquarius. Because it's a south nodal eclipse, there's a lot more in there, and it's really pushing us to say, break break the molds, um, break the patterns, wake up from the spells, have a sense of self-determination, be uniquely you. If we can break out from those fixed belief systems that are keeping us in a certain rotating field or rotating um, pattern that aren't in compliance with all that we wish to change and heal and grow in our lives, there's a real dissonance within us. And so this will, the south nodal eclipse is is really saying, uh, let's break this apart so that we can actually start to collaborate and include the mind. I think in many times we talk about this notion of um, let go of the mind and go into the heart. And it's like, that's really beautiful. And we know that the master of our sacred self and our what everything begins and returns to love and love not just as a romantic concept, but love is an actual vibration of solid beauty and wonder. It's like it really got the substance of what is the most important to us. But we have to be in alignment with that. And that means the mind. And so if we keep rejecting the mind, the mind is exquisite and it's important. So we have to, in a way, invite the mind into a higher field. The interesting thing about Aquarius is it won't do the work for us. Aquarius won't meet us at the higher field. Aquarius says, come to the higher field. So it's it's a it's a very intellectual process in that sense. And um you know, as it, we talk about it as being a liberator. So all air signs like to, you know, they're in the moment, they feel like the wind, you know, and Libra is more interested in relationship as an air sign. Gemini's, Gemini's more the, dis, the dissemination and communication as an air sign. And Aquarius is more the collaborator of the air sign. So it shakes up the status quo and it lifts it forward. It really asks us to think. Um, in that way. And it's it's kind of detached. So when we talk about that feeling of being stuck last time, because we had that mud energy of how do we lift ourselves up with all that earth that's coming in, this is more of an air and water show. And so even though it's a lot of air, because Mercury's in sitting right with this new moon and um, Juno, and Juno's an interesting asteroid because Juno is Hera, and Juno is what are we loyal to in more traditional ways. We might think of it as marriage, but it's really more of a of a real commitment to ourself and to that which we love and how we connect and commit to our lives. So Juno's in there too, kind of pushing in terms of saying, um, we want you to be really thoughtful and we want you to be really dedicated and really devotional to what is true to you. So we've got all that meeting us, and yet Venus is already in... in um, uh, Pisces. So, you know, that's Valentine's Day. That's like, you know, let love rule and all the roomy kind of, you know, poetry. It's like Venus, Venus loves Pisces like nothing else, because it's just such a place of merging and, you know, and beauty and, and wonder and poetry and myth and, um, and, and all those lovely qualities that's swimming in the, you know, in the sea of love. Um, so it's, it's right there saying, yeah, let go and, you know, the net will appear. But um, in this moment, so we will be very shortly after we have this lunation, we'll be moving, the, the planets are all then starting to rotate into Pisces, so there'll be a lot more water. But right now, again, we're in this moment of, of the air. And so with that in mind, um, 
and the potent timing of the impact in our lives, as we talked about, um, this new moon also sits at the polar opposite of what we had two weeks ago, which was that Leo lunar eclipse where we, you know, and the, the, in August of 2017, where we had that total eclipse in Leo, those were the polar opposite um, eclipses to where we are right now in Aquarius. So as we talked about, Leo is super um, personal. It's drama, it's self, it's lead from the heart, it's feel special, it's lead, it's the self. Whereas um, Aquarius is saying, ah, get over yourself. Like this is about the we, this is a, a detached sign. It's more about where are we going? Um, let's have deep conversations and really think um, around what we could improve upon, what we could have that has to do with our new humanity, our new consciousness, um, break the molds. And this is very relevant because many communities right now are really saying everything is broken. Everything's broken about our world. And let's, we've got to be radical in our thoughts about how we create new realities. What could be more Aquarian than that? So when we think about all of us, rather than, and, and it's true, we need to grieve and we need to feel what we're feeling about what is broken, but we also need to be elevated by this beautiful lunation that's saying, yeah, but in now that it's all broken, it's awesome. Like we're liberated into what's possible. So in that sense, the thought leaders that we talk about thought leaders, it's really still coming from the heart because it's all about love. People who want to create change without a concept. And I think we saw this in the last election. People, some people said, hey, yeah, let's burn it all down. And now we're looking at, yeah, let's burn it all down. That's really painful. So let's elevate it up. Let's really, you know, let's renovate it or let's recycle it. Let's repurpose it. You know, there's all of that energy in this. So it's really an interesting time to be innovative, but be innovative with a collaborative, you know, really collaborative thoughtfulness on taking us all with together you know, what that really means. So it's, it's reminds me very much with this, you know, heart energy that we've come from with Leo and now moving into this Aquarian energy that isn't so consumed with emotion. It's really more about the mind, um, the thought field, the intellectual concepts. It reminds me of some of the old teachers that, that we love so much that we return to, whether it's Buddhist consciousness or it's higher thought form or Ram Das who talked to always like, I think, you know, be here now and love, serve, remember, you know, like these beautiful concepts that really kind of allow us to all move together. And, um, you know, so in this way of elevating our consciousness, it really asks us different questions. Like I said, what is unique to us and what is uniquely calling us to strive and determine our path and how do our, you know, how do our beliefs at this threshold of change that we're in are supporting them and how are they really um, causing us to then go into doubt and despondency and feel it's impossible for us. And that's what we want to really start to have some reflection around. How is our thought field? How are our thoughts interrupting our ability to make the changes that we really want to? And how do we blast through them? How do we choose not to believe them, you know, and have a better version of ourself to come forward? Aquarius is very much about that, um, really wanting that. Um, so like we said, with that south node releasing, it's kind of like a vacuum that is not separating us from the primal. You know, a lot of times we talk about, I think we did when we talked about the rainbow serpent, that we were... Um, we, we were uh, really separating and using that, that momentum of the serpent, you know, shedding our skins. This really isn't about shedding a skin. It's about waking, like I said, waking up from a spell and um, clearing these old 
belief systems of mental illusion. That might be our families. They might be our, as we're looking at our gender. The thing that's really interesting also about Aquarius is it's a bit androgynous because it's beyond. It's up in a place that we talk about that is the ethers, the Akashic realm. It's got that sense of it's not limited. It's completely not limited. So in that way, it's non-binary. You know, it's in that sense of, you know, fluidity that we're really also examining. You know, everybody, the newer, younger beings coming in are going, eh, I'm not committed. I don't really feel that. You know, I really, I really feel a different sense. And they're born into a different kind of Uranus, a different kind of Aquarian age. So we're really kind of feeling and seeing that, that questioning around def- definition, even around pronouns and all the things that we really established to say, hey, shake it up. Don't talk that way. Don't think that way. So it's confusing and it's uncomfortable, but it's also very very liberating. So in that sense, it is a liberator into free choice to think for yourself. There's a lot of people have been talking to me and I've been feeling it too. I had this weird ear thing going on for a while where I felt like I was in an airplane for about two weeks, but it was really this pressure. And I came to understand that and kind of that awareness helped me. Um, but a lot of people have coming in to, to, with me, I'm talking about the intensity with a sense of psychological anxiety or pressure. Like I feel a pressure's on and uh, it's actually physical migraines and stuff like that. Um, but also uh, in a sense of um, anxiety and in a sense of not knowing what's next. And that's part of this is that it's really, like I said, the, the South node kind of builds up and then it starts to move. So I think we're going to start to feel that as we move into past this moment, we'll start to feel like it blows something open in our life. Now, south nodal eclipses in in, um, Aquarius, but more Uranus, which rules it, is famous for surprises. So some of the surprises that go on, sometimes there's surprises that we like, they're unexpected. Sometimes there's surprises that we don't love, they're unexpected. But it's got that time factor. It's timeless, but it's something that was due. It was overdue. So that's why it might be something that happens. People, you know, I'm not casting any kind of aversions, but it can be relationships, jobs, um, situations that might say, hey, I thought I thought I was going to do it at another time. And they're going, eh, no, time's up. And, you know, we hear a lot about that, right? We talked about that more from a Saturnian perspective, that time, what, Lord of Time, but also from Aquarius, um, because it's, a, it's the wind, it blows something out of our lives. It just goes, oh, it's gone. And it also invites change, like a headwind, like, oh, yeah, it's time to move. Everything's moving really fast. So it's got, again, not necessarily that we're in control, but it's got a higher frequency that says we can be in control. So I just want to kind of remind everybody about that in the sense. So some of this pressure, because south nodes and new moons um, are in the dark, remember, we're sitting in the dark, we're moving in the dark so that we can kind of start something, a new process, a new um, uh, growth cycle. So it's also got a quality of almost like a diagnostic black light whenever we're in a new moon, but especially a solar eclipse because it's what we're done with 19 year cycles. So it it's sometimes when I said that pressure's on, uh, you know, when you're in like a, a diagnostic situation, like, you know, if you're got a flat tire and they want to see where's the leak or they want to see where water's coming through or you know, just stuff like that. They might blow air into something. And then where it builds up, lets us know where the leaks are or where the blockages are. This new moon was kind of doing that because of that air 
mind mental frequency in the mind saying, where are the blocks? Where are we eclipsing this innovative, forward moving kind of as an individual, but also as a world? And the thing that's really interesting about elevation, resetting, recalibrating the mind at a frequency of a cosmic consciousness, which is what's happening. So these are the kinds of things that are going on. It's in inviting us to say, if we have the ability to say, where do our old inherited beliefs or our individual fears of what have happened to us, then forecast our future, we are predetermining our future based on our past, rather than saying, let's learn from the past and let's take that learning as an innovative understanding so we don't make the same mistakes. Instead, if we're spellular you know, bound, we make the same mistakes because we feel cast in the mold. We feel it's impossible. Whereas Aquarian energy is saying, hey, anything's possible. That's aligned with cosmic consciousness. So something that I work with a lot um, is the Akashic realm, Akashic readings. That's why. Because it lifts us up past causal, past karma into, hey, if we understand it, we can clear it. Which is, again, from a Buddhist philosophy saying, if you come into enlightenment and you see you're participating in your own suffering, you're free. You have free choice. Now, we make new trouble for ourselves, but we don't have the old trouble for ourselves. We have a new classroom. So in that sense, we want to really lift up, and this is the opportunity. So then we move into, um, in the judgment-free zone, the new, uh, the lunar new year is the blue, I'm sorry, is the brown earth dog. So we just went through that red fire rooster, which reminds me of a, a certain president that we have. <laughs> um, that's been quite a year, right? So we now are moving into this very different, loyal, devoted, um, kind of to the nose to the ground kind of feature, which is the dog. So we talked last month about a wolf, and now we're talking about the, the dog, which is in some ways a domesticated version. Not domestic, we think about it in a way of breaking the spirit up, but it's really how beautiful that this animal wants to befriend a human, wants to befriend the human family, wants to teach the human family about loyalty and dedication and love, unconditional love. You know, dogs and cats in our lives have that feature where they live, they, their cycle's less than ours, our life cycle. So they teach us about grief and they teach us about love and, you know, how to let go in order to live. It's really such profound lessons through these four-legged um, animals that come into our life, you know, really, really beautiful heart medicine. On uh, March 1st, when we have the full moon, it's in Virgo. So what's really beautiful about brown earth dog, and we're up in all this, you know, up in the sky, and we're having all these, you know, evolutionary, revolutionary, breaking apart everything, you know, in the sky. Well, we got to land somewhere. So where we're landing is um, at the feet of the, of, the, of the sovereign goddess, because Virgo is, again, virgin, not virgin in a sexually prohibited or all those old story, rewriting story of the feminine, but it's in whole unto herself in her own sovereignty. She says, you know, in this quest for self and that in that goddess or empress energy, take a moment to rededicate to yourself and then, you know, move forward because we're in the early spring and then we're again in the earth of, you know, how do we want to now walk the earth and how do we want to be in harmony in the walking the beauty way, which is that beautiful, beautiful indigenous phrase of not, you know, touching the earth gently, not doing any harm. Um, in that in that way. Then on March 9th, 
uh, Jupiter. We've had no retrograde planets, but Jupiter goes retrograde in Scorpio. So again, we talked a lot about that a couple of months ago, about Jupiter being in a sign for a year. And um, because it wants to teach us, it amplifies things, and it shines that bigger light to learn. And in Scorpio, it's the, it's because it's a water sign and it has to do with all that underground kinds of energies. I think we're gonna. This isn't leaving us this sense of all of um, the people that are being called on the carpet, you know, to be accountable and to bring that sense of purpose. That certainly, you know, this collective of of individuals, but predominantly women, are really getting together to say this sense of we're really rewriting contracts, social contracts. We're rewriting what uh, the rules of engagement are. And what, like we talked about consent and um, this sense of not only in the in the workplace, but all of the um, all of the places that we show up now, and we're inviting everyone to be part of that process. But we're leading because we've been repressed, and so all this energy is still going to very, very much be in play. And so the, the thing I want to say: sometimes you'll ask me about what are the action plans, what are some of the rituals that we can do on this day. And so because you know we think about we're just coming out of Valentine's Day, which is like you know that beautiful heart medicine. Stay there because, again, the frequency of the heart is the most important thing. So I'd say do some reading. Uh, What inspires you? Um, What allows you to think bigger and to um, really invite you to, instead of the negative what if, like what if, which is worry and fear and doubt, lift up, keep remembering what thoughts do you feed? Do you feed the thoughts that are what if of fear? Do you feed the thoughts that have to do what if of love? Um, what is possible? You know, we use the same very words of what if that can say what if it's doom and gloom and what if is the most inspiring creative possibility of the divine mind of curiosity. We open up the frequency of the sixth chakra that way. So I would say reading energy, like pull it out or think about, or we love the podcasts and I love podcasts. We're doing a podcast, but don't forget the reading because that, that also gives us a very intimate interpretation uh, around how we're thinking about something and then how it inspires us in that using the mental field again, not just to listen, but to engage. So I think that's sort of interesting. Um, I think writing new agreements, writing new contracts over this next few weeks um, is really important to say, I'm going to, what are all the contracts, my rules of engagement that I have with myself, with how I think about things, um, with how I am with other people? with how I am with my work. But before we blast in there, we want to be thoughtful. Which ways work? Which ways don't? How do we want to up-level? How do we want to meet the possibility at the threshold? Um, And remember the vibration uh, that we talked about. So I would say with this new moon, um, you know, I'm a lover of crystals. So I take any opportunity to go buy a new crystal. So I, I would definitely say either get a new clear crystal because crystals amplify energy. So the color of the crystal, uh, the properties of those crystals will amplify a certain frequency of certain, whether we believe in chakras or the color all has a certain tone. Whereas if you get a clear crystal, that's why crystals are in micro, you know, they're in computers and all these kinds of things. They amplify energy, whatever it is. So if we get a clear crystal and then we meditate with it and we put in this new frequency of who we are becoming, and then we, we keep you know, it will hold that for us. And then we hold that crystal and it again reminds our whole nervous system. It reminds our cells, all our fields of that, what we were aspiring to in a nonverbal way, but in a vibrational way. And so I think that's really beautiful. Um, 
And so it, it allows us, like I said, keep returning to the high vibe of what if and the possibility in the love field as opposed to the low vibe of the fear if we can keep that energy and believe in the change that we are embarking in and that we are a part of, um, we can be the change that Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. Nothing could be more true as aligning with these frequencies and acting from these frequencies. Um, they will allow us to rise above the turbulence and be in that higher place uh, as we're moving through the muck, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so it's it's a it's a beautiful solar eclipse, but it may not feel beautiful. <laughs> it may feel like a, like change, loss, stretching, uncertainty. But um, if we can let the mind know it's blasting us open, uh, let you know what is it? Uh, lose our mind and come to our senses. We have to be a part of it. And uh, so I think the other thing is, like I said, reading about future futurists. And the one I love because a lot of the, the people listening on the podcast are beloved sisterhood. Uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who's in her 80s, has been... Um, waiting for us to find her, which, which we love. She's our, she's our grandmother goddess here. Um, she's been writing about this just prolifically since like 1950s. So if you look up her work, um, you know, she's, she's really, really lovely. And she really puts in a lot of work around the feminine uh, in there. So she's been bringing that future energy in and waiting for us to meet her at the threshold a really long time. So I'd say she's a wonderful, wonderful person to read. Thank you, Susan. I definitely need to check out her writings. I haven't yet. And yeah, I, I'm just excited for everyone on this upcoming month and wishing everyone well as they elevate and fly on all these different winds that are coming in. Um, and I just want to remind our listeners that they can find more about your work at your website, everydaymedicinewoman.com. And also on Instagram, you're always posting useful snippets and, and more astrological insights as well. Um, and on Instagram, Susan is at Susan Lipschitz. And um, I often link to Susan or tag her on posts at Moontent Co. So that's a, an, another easy way to find her. Well, thank you so much. And I always enjoy um, uh, your big source of inspiration for me. And we love getting the feedback. We've been getting such amazing feedback from uh, those of you who've been listening. And um, it really means the world to us because it lets us uh, understand what is meaningful to you and what you want to hear more of and um, how these podcasts help support you and inspire you. And and um, and, and so the call and response of that experience for us, uh, I can only say for me, but I know when Dorothy and I speak about it, we will write little e emails back and forth saying, oh, we've, we're so excited to get this feedback because it's that it's the, the love that feeds us to um, to inspire us to continue this as well. So thank everyone who's listening. It means the world to us. And thank you again, Susan. We're so lucky to have your insights and your wisdom on the show. And we'll look forward to checking in with you on the new the next lunar cycle. I'm, I'm thrilled to do that. And anybody who's interested in Akashic um, record reading right now, this is a fantastic time to do it. So definitely get in contact with me if that's something you think would be meaningful. I'd say the next couple months would be um, a, a terrific time to, to do that work. 
Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in on the full moon on March 1st for a very special conversation with renowned yoga teacher and author Uma Dinsmore Tully, whose recent book Yoni Shakti serves as a woman's guide to power and freedom through yoga and tantra. We talk about womb yoga and the resurgence of feminine wisdom through social media, as well as the true power of surrender and our hopes for future generations of girls. I hope you'll join us. If you enjoyed the show today, please rate us on iTunes and get access to bonus offerings over at patreon.com slash moontentco. For as little as $1 a month, you can get some great rewards and our deepest appreciation. Our theme music is Butterflies March by Sophie Cooper from her album Rewilding, available on Bandcamp. See you next time.